Hello, this is Edwin Crozier. Thank you for listening to another lesson from God's Word brought to you by the Franklin Church of Christ. In this lesson, we'll examine our great example in prayer, Jesus. No doubt, Jesus was the greatest prayer to ever live. And if we'll be like Him in prayer, we will be praying effectively. I invite you to pull out your Bible, if you're able, and examine the Scripture with me. May God bless us as we learn to pray as Jesus prayed. I think that every single one of us would like to know the formula for effective, fervent prayer that avails much. We would like to know the key that makes prayer work. What is the secret to successful prayer? And we would search the Scriptures backwards and forwards to find out what it is that we need to do in order to pray so that our prayers impact God. Tonight I would like to share with you the one verse that I think answers this question. There is one verse that if we follow it, our prayers will become more consistent, more fervent, more effective. Perhaps this one verse is the most important Bible passage for our prayer lives. But surprisingly enough, most of us would probably overlook it and believe that it doesn't say anything about prayer. Would you like to know what verse I'm talking about? We're going to look at it in just a moment. But before we do that, let's pray. Great God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you tonight, so thankful for this opportunity that we have to be here. We're thankful, Father, that you allow us to live in a free country that allows us to gather on a Friday night to assemble with the lights on, with signs out front, and everybody knows that we're doing it, and we don't have to fear that anyone will enter in and harm us or take us away or cause any problems for us. Father, we thank you because of your great mercy and your great grace that makes being here worthwhile. Father, we recognize that we could assemble every day, morning, noon, and night, to praise and honor and worship You, but it would do nothing for our souls if Your Son had not died for us. And we thank You for Your plan. And for Your Son, Jesus, who walked on this earth, who lived as one of us, who exemplified how we ought to live before You and who died the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We thank You for that and we praise You because Your loving kindness is everlasting. And we pray that You be with us tonight as we open up Your great and mighty Word, that we will allow it to impact our hearts and our minds, that after tonight, as we've worshipped You instead of Your Word, we will be better servants. We will be more conformed to the image of Your Son and we'll be more like You. 
Father, I thank You so much for the number who have thought it important enough to be here and for the great example that they are setting and the great encouragement that they are to me and to one another. I pray that You would strengthen those who are here to influence others, to increase their faith. Be with us, Father, tonight. Accept what we are offering. We recognize that it doesn't even come close to what You, are, what you deserve. But please accept our humble offering through Your Son. Amen. The one Bible passage that contains the key to successful prayer is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Do you see, as we read this verse, why it is the key to effective prayer? Certainly, we would all recognize that Jesus while on the earth, was the stellar example of how to pray and how to lead a life of prayer. If we follow this verse and crucify ourselves and our wills and hang them there on the cross with Jesus and allow Him to rule and run our lives, how will we pray? We'll pray as He did, won't we? In fact, brethren, as I've studied this, I've become convinced that our prayer lives are probably a great indication of the extent to which we do allow Jesus to rule our lives, to live through us. And so we ask the question, if I really crucified myself, with Christ, and allowed Him to live through me, living by faith in Him who loved me and gave Himself for me, how would I pray? What example did Jesus set for us? Now let me back up just a minute and remind you of one of our great themes throughout this entire study. We recognize that we are warriors for God and we are in the midst of a battle. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, you remember that Paul, as he was speaking to the Ephesians, said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, in Ephesians 6.12, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We're at war. We're in a battle. We're in a battle that we cannot win because we do not have that kind of power to overcome this enemy. But we can connect with the one who does have that power. We can be in relationship with the one who will win through us, working in us. But we have to pray to connect with that God and to connect with that power. If we were in war, 
physically. If we were to take all of our forces, or the great majority of our forces, and to focus them in on one particular place, we would call that a power play. Having said that, I think we need to recognize that when we are praying, that is exactly what we are doing. We are calling on the great power of the universe and asking Him to focus His power in one place through our prayers. And therefore, in order to help us remember the example of Jesus, I've tried to provide this acronym, a play on that word. Instead of having a power play, we want to power pray. And hopefully we can remember this looking at Jesus and how He prayed. The very first thing that we need to recognize about Jesus and His prayer life, we need to state the obvious. Jesus prayed. Jesus was not just an expert on prayer. He was not just a teacher of prayer. Jesus was, in fact, a prayer. It is not enough for us to know how to pray. It is not enough for us to be able to tell everybody all the ins and outs of effective prayer. If we want to pray as Jesus did, we've got to start by praying. And when we take a look at the life of Jesus and who Jesus is, I think it's really phenomenal that He was, in fact, a prayer. Look at John chapter 14. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus tells us a little bit about Himself. In John 14, 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you had known Me, you would have known My Father also. And from now on, you know Him and have seen Him. Drop down to verse 9. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known Me, Philip? He who has seen Me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in Me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on My own authority, but the Father who dwells in Me does the works. Believe Me that I am in the Father and the Father in Me, or else believe Me for the sake of the works themselves. Look at John 17, 25. John chapter 17 and verse 25, as he was concluding what is often referred to as his high priestly prayer, in John 17, 25, he says, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. What does Jesus tell us about himself? Jesus had a connection while on the earth with the Father, an intimate connection and relationship that you and I have never had. Here was Jesus, God the Son, in the flesh. The Father was in me, He says, and I am in Him. And yet still, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 points out to us that He prayed. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, "...who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to Him, who was able to save Him from death and was heard because of His godly fear." If Jesus, God the Son in the flesh, who was that intimately connected with the Father just by nature, prayed, how much more must we pray? If we want... A power pray. We've got to begin by praying. 
But the second thing that we'll notice is that Jesus prayed, offering Himself as part of the answer to His prayers. Look back in John 17. In John chapter 17. Beginning at about verse 11. In the middle of this prayer, as He's praying for the apostles, He says in John 17 and verse 11, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in this world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Hearing that prayer, we might believe that Jesus was saying, I've taken care of them up to this point. I am now going to leave, and Father, I'm not going to have anything to do with them anymore, but I pray that you would keep them. However, look at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, as Jesus offered the great commission to His disciples, He told them that all authority had been given to Him in heaven and earth. Go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. And then in verse 20, He says at the end of that verse, Matthew 28 and verse 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In John 17, Jesus prayed, Father, keep them. Be with them. I'm going out of the world. Be with them. Keep them. But we find out that He was offering Himself as part of the answer to this prayer. That He would be with them even to the end of the age. You want to see another phenomenal example of this? Look in Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. As Jesus looked out at the screaming mobs who were crying, crucify Him, crucify Him, who were mocking and ridiculing Him, in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. But have you ever thought about what He was doing while He prayed that prayer? When He prayed that prayer, He was on the cross offering the only sacrifice that would allow this prayer to be granted. He wanted them to be forgiven. And He prayed for their forgiveness. But He also worked for their forgiveness. Remember Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20? I hope those of you who have been through the majority of this series won't ever forget that verse. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, by the power that works in us. God works when we ask or think, but He works by the power that He has working in us. That means we need to think. That means we need to ask. But that means we need to be willing to be a part of the answer to the prayers that we offer to God. When we pray, we do not pray and then sit back and wait. We pray and then we get to work. That God may use us as part of the answer to our prayers. 
If we want a power pray, we must pray and we must work. Offering ourselves to God as His tools, as His servants, to accomplish those prayers. Jesus prayed offering Himself as part of the answer. He prayed praying with others and alone. Look in Luke. Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, the Bible tells us that now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. We go back to verse 18, however. In Luke 9 and verse 18, it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, who do the crowd say that I am? Now, this is amazing. This is the same Jesus who in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 told us, you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And yet He prayed with others. If we're going to pray like Jesus prayed, yes, we must learn how to pray by ourselves. We must develop a personal prayer habit where we can go individually into our own rooms, into our own closets, and pray to our God in heaven without letting anybody else know what we're doing, without parading it before men, without seeking glory for ourselves. We've got to learn to pray by ourselves. Let me ask you, when was the last time you prayed by yourself? Prayers before meals don't count. Unless you really pray. When was the last time you prayed by yourself? But once we have that habit down, we need to learn to pray with others in such a way that we're not seeking our own glory, but the glory of God in heaven. As Jesus prayed with others, that includes what we do when we're here, But that also includes praying with brethren outside of this assembly. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you prayed with your brethren in the assembly? I know that sounds like an odd question because I was standing here. In fact, I was the one leading in prayer just a few moments ago, right? But my question is, were you praying or were you just biding time? When was the last time you prayed? Listening along with the leader, offering up that prayer, perhaps praying your own corresponding prayer so that you could say the amen when that prayer was finished. Let me ask you another question. When was the last time you prayed with a brother or sister in Christ or a group of Christians outside of an assembly? When was the last time you just got some Christians together and said, hey, let's go pray? If we want a power pray, we've got to learn to pray by ourselves. And we've got to learn to pray with others. Jesus prayed, offering Himself as the answer, part of the answer to His prayers with others, and by Himself. 
Now, I will admit that there have been times and as I teach on prayer that I've discovered a little bit of a paradox or a little bit of a quandary or perhaps some might even say a contradiction. Because those of you who have listened to these sermons have heard me on the one hand say at times, you know what, your prayers don't have to be long, you just have to pray. Have you heard me say that? But then in the very same sermon, you've probably heard me also say, how long have you prayed? How much time have you invested in prayer? Have you heard me ask that question too? Because I recognize that the amount of time we spend in prayer is an indication of our spiritual maturity. And yet, even while I say both of those things, I I recognize... I know both of those statements are right, but how do they fit together? Taking a look at Jesus' prayer life has helped me because what I've learned is that Jesus prayed, offering Himself as part of the answer to His prayers with others and alone, praying extended prayers and brief prayers. Look in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus continued all night in prayer to God. Can you imagine what he had to say and ask God that lasted all night long? I've been working hard on my prayers, and I tell you, there are times when I get done and I think, now, okay, I've, I've, I've prayed an extended prayer. I've applied myself. I've devoted myself. I wonder how long that was. Ten minutes. But Jesus prayed all night long. Because you see, there are times, there are times when we have to have the ability to apply ourselves to vigilant, watchful, persistent, extended prayer. In Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Beginning at verse 36, Jesus came. Matthew 26 verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I tell you what we learned from that is that the prayer that Matthew included that we know is actually the Cliff Notes version. It's the boiled down, here's the essence, because Jesus didn't say, couldn't you watch with me for 15 seconds, because that's how long it takes to say that verse. He said, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? He had been praying that prayer for about an hour. And Peter and James and John couldn't hang fell asleep. And Jesus rebuked them. Why? Because there are times when we have got to have the ability to apply ourselves to vigilant, watchful, extended prayer. But on the other hand, 
there are also times when all that is necessary is a burst of prayer. While on the cross, Jesus prayed three prayers that were only one sentence long. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, He prayed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And in Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, He prayed, Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. Because there are times when prayer can be short and powerful and what's needed at that moment. Jesus prayed both extended prayers and brief prayers. And my question is, can we do that? Have we developed the ability to apply ourselves to prayer? Is there anything that we would think was important enough to pray for an entire hour and then do it again and then again? Applying ourselves to that? But on the other hand, have we developed the spiritual sensitivity and the spiritual sense to know when a prayer is needed in the moment? Have we developed the spiritual recognition to know when a burst of prayer is the appropriate thing to do? And have we developed the spiritual discipline to do it? How many times have people said to us about their problems or the things that they're dealing with and all we had the spiritual maturity to do was say, I'll pray for you later. Why not do it right then? We need to learn to pray extended prayers. And we need to learn to pray brief prayers. And if we want to power pray, we're going to recognize that there are times when we must do both. Jesus prayed, offering Himself as part of the answer to His prayers, praying with others and alone, praying extended prayers and brief prayers, praying regarding personal decisions. Just a moment ago, we asked if there was ever anything that might be important enough to us that we could apply ourselves to a long, extended prayer. Look again at Jesus' lengthy prayer in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, it came to pass in those days that He went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, He called His disciples to Himself, and from them He chose twelve whom He also named apostles. And it goes on to name the twelve. This all-night prayer came the night before He was going to make one of the most important decisions in His ministry. Who are going to be the twelve that I'm going to focus the great majority of my time and my effort and my teaching upon? Who are going to be the leaders in this new church I'm establishing, in this new kingdom that I'm going to bring into the world? And He prayed all night because this kind of decision was important to Him. Are there any decisions that we ever make that are important enough to us that we would pray at all, let alone pray all night long? 
If we're going to power pray, we've got to learn to make prayer a part of our decision-making process. As we do that, we're going to pray for wisdom. James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, James chapter 1, verse 5, James said, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We've got to pray for wisdom, but keep in mind, you better believe that God is going to give it to you. And you need to be ready for it because it doesn't always come the way we want it to come. But if we pray believing for wisdom, He will give it to us. But keep in mind Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's actually regrettable the number of Christians that will, in fact, pray regarding the decisions in their lives. God, give me wisdom. God, give me guidance. Help me make this choice and do what's right. All the while, their Bible stay closed up on the coffee table. But God's Word says, Your Word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. Where does God give His guidance? Right here. And whatever the choice may be, we can find advice for that choice. Whether it be regarding family, whether it be regarding our relationships with neighbors, whether it be regarding finances, whether it be regarding work, we can find advice for life's choices here in God's Word. We can find guidance and wisdom. So if we're going to pray for wisdom and guidance, let's remember to open our Bibles and listen to God and the guidance that He offers us. And when we've done that, when it comes to our decisions, we can pray corresponding to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the Scripture says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We recognize that God can work all things together for good. And we can pray, God, I'm making this choice. I've based it upon Your Word. I'm seeking first Your kingdom and Your righteousness. I want You to be glorified. Cause this to work to good. Now, allow me to provide this one caveat. There are a lot of times that folks tend to believe that, that our life choices are like the standardized test we took back in high school. There's multiple choice, but only one of them is right, and that's not always the case. There are going to be numerous times that when we have options before us and we go to the Word of God, we find out that God is equally approving of any of those choices or a number of those choices, and then we pick one probably based on which one we want the most, and that's okay. And when we've done that, we can pray, God, let this work to your good. But there are also going to be times when we haven't gone through this process. We make a decision, and in time we recognize that we did not make a decision based on God's guidance, and what we did was wrong, perhaps even sinful. We need to confess that to God. We need to make reconciliation as best we can and then pray to God, trusting Him, God, I goofed it up, but I know you're all-powerful. Please, somehow, work this to your glory anyway. If we want a power pray, we've got to learn to make prayer a part of our personal decisions. Not only did Jesus pray 
In all these ways, he prayed persistently. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, the Scripture says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Look in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23. It's part of his everyday work. He's conducting his ministry, and in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23, it says, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. He prayed in the morning. He prayed at night. And as we go through the Gospels, we find out that these cases were not isolated examples of Jesus deciding on a whim to pray. This was a part of his life. This was a part of his work. This was a part of his constant daily devotion and connection to God. Jesus prayed persistently. First Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Jesus lived that. Praying all the time. Not only did He pray persistently, not only was His prayer habit persistent, but we'll even find there were times when He prayed particular prayers persistently. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He goes and checks on the disciples. They're asleep. He rebukes them. He goes back. Verse 42. Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Keep in mind what we learned just a moment ago. This wasn't just three quick statements. This was a summation of what he had been doing for an hour. And then he did it again. And then he did it again. That's persistent. I think to myself, how many different ways can he over an hour say, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. But that's what he prayed for an hour. Is that persistent? Moms, have you ever had a little junior come up? Can I have a cookie? And you say, not now, don't bother me. And what do they do in another two minutes? Can I have a cookie? Can I have a cookie? Can I watch TV? Can I go outside? Over and over and over and over and over again. Persistence. The biblical term for that, the technical term for that is importuning God. And it's demonstrated and illustrated by a parable that Jesus taught as He was teaching on prayer in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 5, He said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. This is Luke chapter 11 and verse 6 now. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I can't rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And he goes on to demonstrate how that's related to our prayers. He says, pray persistently. 
keep it up. I recognize the lack of comfort we have with praying the same thing over and over and over again. And yet that's exactly what Jesus is teaching here and that's exactly what Jesus did for a whole hour praying, Father, let this cup pass for me. Yet not as I will, but it be as you will. Is there anything that is so important to us that we would pray it again and again and again and again until our Father in Heaven says yes or until we are absolutely certain He has said no? If we're going to pray like Jesus did, if we're going to have a power pray, we've got to learn to pray persistently having a persistent prayer habit, but we also have to learn that there are prayers that are important enough to be persistent with. Here's one that's just absolutely amazing to me. Jesus prayed while relying on the Father. Perhaps that statement all by itself is not too amazing. However, when I see it illustrated, it is truly Amazing. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm not sure we can fully grasp what happened on that cross with Jesus. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2 tell us that our sins separate us from God. And I'm fully convinced that when Jesus bore our sins on the cross, our sins separated Him from the Father. And I cannot fathom, I cannot imagine what that must have been like for Jesus, who had that intimate connection with the Father. A, a connection like you and I have never had with Him. And to have that cut off because of our sins. And I believe that's part of the reason why He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in the midst of that abandonment, in the midst of that separation, notice the other prayer he prayed in Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and He said, Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. Despite just moments ago having said, Why have You forsaken Me? He said, I trust You. And your plan. And into your hands I commit my spirit. He was quoting a psalm there. Look back at Psalm 31. He quoted Psalm 31 in verse 5 and he calls to our mind all of that psalm. I'd like for you to begin reading with me though in Psalm 31 and verse 9 and just notice the trust here. In Psalm 31 and verse 9, he says, the psalmist does, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. If this were happening to us, what would we be saying to God? Notice what he says in verse 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, 
You are my God. My times are in Your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make Your face shine upon Your servant. Save me for Your mercy's sake. Talk about trust. I doubt any of us have been through verses 9 through 13. But if we had and if we did, could we go through verses 14 through 16? Jesus prayed, into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm trusting you, Father. I'm relying on you. I know that your plan is best. I know that you're a loving Father and you will do what is right. You will do what is best. You give good gifts and I trust you. Do it your way. That's how Jesus prayed. And if we want a power pray, we've got to pray relying on the Father that He will do what is right. He will do what is best. And so we do want things to be His way. Even when that means things don't go our way. He prayed asking on behalf of others. You consider the fact that here He is, God in the flesh, the power of the universe. The fact that He would be concerned about others at all is just truly amazing, don't you think? And yet His prayers on this earth were for others. John chapter 17 provides a good example. John chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. And then John 17 and verse 20, I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You know who he's praying for right there? He's praying for us. Haven't we believed through their word? Right there, he's interceding for us. But his intercession didn't stop when he left the world. Romans Chapter 8 and verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Romans 8:34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives. He never stops. He is making intercession for us right now before the Father. That's powerful. But I tell you, the most challenging prayer of intercession that Jesus offered, we can see in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, as people yelled at Him and mocked Him after they had beaten Him and spit on Him and stolen His clothes, after they had pressed a crown of thorns down on His head, nailed Him to a cross, hurled abuse at Him, mocked Him, He said, in Luke chapter 23, 
and verse 34. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, He taught us to pray for those who persecute us, bless those who curse us, and right there He modeled it. We've got to learn to intercede for others. If we want a power pray, we've got to ask on behalf of others, even our enemies. And finally, Jesus prayed, offering Himself as part of the answer, praying with others and alone, praying extended prayers and brief, praying regarding His personal decisions, praying persistently, relying on the Father, asking on behalf of others. But the foundation of it all was the fact that He was yearning for the glory of the Father above everything else. Look again at John 17. John 17, beginning at verse 1. In John 17 and verse 1, Jesus prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son may also glorify You. Verse 4, I have glorified You on the earth. I have finished the work which You have given Me. Verse 6, I have manifested Your name to the men whom You have given Me out of the world. Verse 8, I have given to them the words which You have given Me. Verse 14, I have given them Your Word. And verse 26, the close of the prayer, and I have declared to them Your name and will declare it, that the love with which You love Me may be in them and I in them. I want you to notice that the basis for everything that Jesus Jesus prayed for all the others of these things was that He was yearning for the Father's glory above all else. He said, glorify Me, but not because I should be glorified. Glorify Me so I can glorify You. That's what my whole life has been about. My whole life has been about getting Your Word to others, praising Your name for others, telling them about You, Father. And that's what it's all about. Everything He prayed was about God's glory. And God's will. And brethren, I want you to understand that this is the key to effective prayer. You're going to hear this a lot this weekend. So often, we view prayer as the means by which we try to bend God to our will. But prayer, prayed properly, is actually the means by which we bend ourselves to God's will. And if you want your prayers to work, then the number one desire in your heart has got to be that the Father be glorified. Jesus never prayed just, just for Himself. You never heard Jesus praying, God, Father, here's what I want because this is what I want. The rare exception of that perhaps can be demonstrated in Matthew chapter 26. That prayer that we've already mentioned that He prayed for hours. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as You will. Father, here's what I want. I want this cup to pass from Me. But He prayed that with the mindset, Nevertheless, not as I will, as You will. Within that hour, as that prayer was expanded, it might have sounded something like this, Father, here's what I want. I want this cup to pass from me. But do you know what I want more than that? 
More than that, what I really want is for you to be glorified, for your will to be accomplished. If, Father, you can let this cut pass for me, and that can happen, you can be glorified, your will can be accomplished, then please, please grant that this cut pass for me. But if not, what I really want, more than anything else, is for your will to be done, even when it means mine is not. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? If you want a power pray, then the foundation for all our prayers has to be that the Father be glorified and His will be accomplished. Jesus is certainly the stellar example of prayer in spirit and in truth. As a close, I've got to tell you, I've never been much of one for religious fads. I've never put a fish on my car. I've never honked because I love Jesus. And I've never passed on an email that would save everybody who read it. But there has been one religious fad that I really did like. One that I wish would be a lot more than a fad would really be the way people govern their lives. Do you remember the fad? WWJD. What would Jesus do? The basis for that is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, where we began. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. What would Jesus do? Tell you what, I know what Jesus did. Jesus prayed. And He did more than that. He power prayed. He connected with the Father. And if we want to be praying warriors for God, then we've got to crucify ourselves and our will and let Christ live through us, even in prayer. Jesus is certainly our great example in prayer. I know this lesson was intense, but I hope it was helpful. Let's remember what we learned in this lesson. Jesus prayed, offering Himself as part of the answer to His prayers, praying with others and alone, praying extended prayers and brief prayers, Praying regarding personal decisions, praying persistently, relying on the Father, asking on behalf of others, yearning for the Father's glory above all else. As we grow in prayer, may Jesus' prayer life be our goal. Again, I want to thank you for joining us at the Franklin Church of Christ in this study. I invite you to study with us on any number of subjects. If you've been given this lesson on CD by a friend, feel free to get on our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com and download any of the lessons we have available in audio format or download the outlines to print out and study on your own. If you have any questions about prayer, about Jesus, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you, and may you richly bless God.